So gents, we have got an episode about locations actually today. I'm looking forward to getting the Reading agent in to talk about Reading, why Reading is a good or bad place to invest. For my money, it makes Reading an even more attractive place to invest in because you're not paying an increased capital value and you've still got great rental yields with rental prices which are gone up significantly in the last couple of years. We will hopefully, in this episode, be able to give anyone that's thinking about investing a really good verbal recce business model and pros and cons to Reading as a town, as it sits today, as a place to invest. So I'm looking forward to getting Matt Barrow in. Tristan, you got any key questions for him? So I'm looking forward to find out what he's advising his investors that are looking to invest within Reading because we know it's a busy marketplace, there's lots of money being spent there and obviously now we've got the Elizabeth line so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, Matt does a lot of bespoke search for investors in Reading that are looking for all different types of properties which we'll talk about as well because that's the great thing about Reading, it's got variety. But Mike, from your point of view, what are you going to fire at Matt or talk about today? Well, my opinion is Reading is a boom and bust town. So it's a real growth economy, but but with that comes ups and downs. I've invested in Reading in and out in my time, and um, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. So I want to know from Matt, where do we sit on that cycle? Interesting stuff. Let's get him in for this episode of the Landlord Page podcast. So Matt, as we've just said on the intro, you are the expert on all things property in Reading. In fact, most of your social media tags are the Reading agent. And I am buzzing to get stuck into why invest in Reading because it is it's a buzzing town. There's lots going on. And I think there's some fantastic opportunities for Reading for sure. that we're going to discuss today. But first of all, how are you doing? How is business? How is property? I'm good. I'm great. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me on. Very it's, welcome um, indeed. Yeah, Reading's all I know. So I'm excited to talk about it. I forget that people invest in other areas why would you <laughs> so yeah we're gonna sell the dream on reading a little bit today but no not on a serious note we're going to talk about the the good part of investing in reading but potentially as the conversation unfolds we might end up deciding that reading is not the place to invest but we're going to see how this podcast un unfolds mike you've worked there tristan you've worked there um i've worked there a little bit as well and obviously you're the expert so what would you say over the last 12 months has been the big significant change? Maybe 24 months, let's talk since the pandemic, the big significant change in the Reading property market. Sure. I think specifically to the last 12 months, the biggest change I've noticed is an increase in the buyers for flats. So central Reading is made up of loads of apartments. It's very uh, highly, it's very densely populated, lots of apartments, obviously with covid those apartments were struggling to find buyers and those buyers are now coming back into the market. So I think for central Reading specifically, that's been the biggest change in the last 12 months. And what I'm interested to know is because tenants often buy in the place that they've rented, they kind of get a feel for it or it goes totally the other spectrum and they move completely out of the area for work reasons. But knowing that Reading is more dominant apartments than it is freeholds, mm -hmm. And I think we were talking off camera and it's something like it's about 50-50 rent versus homeowners. If in, if in fact, it's probably a little bit more rental. Yep. So those buyers you talk about, are they buyers that have lived through lockdown in apartments in Reading and they've decided actually now we're ready to buy our own property or are they trying to buy freeholds? Is there any trends? Is it people out of the area moving to Reading? What's the kind of theme for buyers? 
Yeah, I think um, Reading obviously is a huge business hub. So there's lots of people who are buying there after renting, as you say, and they're now able to buy, so they're making the jump. Um, it, it's hard to say specifically with trends, um, but I think you know the fundamentals for Reading are really strong, and that's been recognised by the uptick in buyers. And I know, Mike, when you were kind of advising investors and looking at their portfolios, Reading, there was often a place where they would have a lot of property in, in their portfolio. Maybe they didn't live necessarily in Reading. They lived on the outskirts or somewhere down the A329M. But looking at Reading as a profile for an investor, it does have, as Matt says, a lot of business parks around it. It's got a lot of economy to it, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the regional capital for the for the southeast outside of london so people are always drawn there the funny thing i find about reading is no one seems to be from reading yeah <laughs> um everyone seems to have been pulled there either by the university or by the big businesses that that kind of surround it in the business parks which draws new blood in and and as matt said often that means renting first and then moving out to the suburbs and then often reinvesting in where you used to rent for uh, for your investment property, because you know that's where others are likely to come in too. So there's a huge holding of buy-to-let property centrally and in the in the high dense, high densely populated areas. Yeah, mm. and what's what I guess is quite interesting for the investors listening. Investors often like they have a feel of what they go for, so they might have a portfolio full of apartments that are just high yield. Um, they're on interest only mortgages and they just want to make a bunch of cash each month and then do what they want to do at the end of the year with that cash, whether it's reinvest, um, use it for a holiday, whatever it may be. Um, or you've got, as we've spoke about a lot, the family growth type property, you know, the three bed semi-detached, maybe in your area, 1930s type of Reading sort of property. And they're looking at that, although the yield is lower in the actual initial equity they've got to put in or deposit, I should say, they've got to put in is a little bit higher. That's got the growth value and it's probably got the long term tenant. Then in other areas, you might see HMOs as an option and people are quite dominant on the HMOs. You've got student lets. Probably the only place that Reading doesn't have the variety is the seaside lets. In reality, it's got the other four boxes, hasn't it? It does. Yeah. And I think that's something that neighbouring, uh, you know, your, your Bracknell doesn't have the student population. Your Reading's, um, it ticks so many of the boxes for that. And it, we didn't get granted the uh, city status last month. But for a town, it's got a huge amount, which you just don't find in neighbouring towns. What was the reason for that? Did you look into it? I wish I had. Now you're asking me. <laughs> um, no. no, I thought it was strange. Milton Keynes, Milton Keynes got it, and Reading didn't. Which, yeah, uh, it's a strange one. You would. It, I still classify Reading as a city in my head because of just I mean, how vast be. it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, do you think then, looking at it from a value adder, is that an opportunity for investors to invest now? Would would we expect to see property prices go up with a city status, or do you? not think it'll make a difference I, I don't know the answer to that I don't know if anyone else in the room's got a thought yeah I don't have an opinion I don't I'm not sure I'm not I feel sure. like it would bring more international business into the town it's a it's a landmark status to mm. say come to the city of Reading 
rather than the town of Reading. I think it's just a, the, the people making the bid were just looking for kudos. And it's just another reason to say this is a big place. If you haven't heard of it, it's a big place. It's nearer to Heathrow than most of London. So this is a trading centre mm. um, yeah. rather than a small town with no, a small town on the M4. So differentiating Reading to Swindon or Newbury by saying this is the city that that runs the Thames Valley. Yeah, and and on that basis, I think it's a matter of time until it's granted because it's just growing and growing. We'll come back on the geographic point because you make a good few points there, Mike, about geographically the benefits of Reading. But I guess it won't hurt a city status, will it? And it's only going to be a good thing. And I think, like you say, it will pull in demand. I just wonder on when you're talking multi-million pound lending for developments, whether lenders, when they are lending to a particular developer, let's talk a scheme of 1500 units, something like that, whether actually some of the lenders are specifically looking for city status on their lending. I don't know the answer to that. It'd be interesting to know because it's right at the top level of lending. But I would imagine that might be a criteria if someone, if a bank is looking to lend to a developer at X amount of millions, it potentially is something that they want to see from from. That the plan. Yeah, I mean that would be plausible to me. It's a box to tick city status to get that mm. upper echelons of lending, which isn't a market I'm overly involved in. Yeah, but um, yeah, city status. Like it's a kudos thing. It probably shows progress, economic growth, um, prosperity, and just an enthusiasm for an area. So where developers are looking at five to 10 year schemes, what they want to see is growth in those five to 10 years. So what they're selling is worth more at the end than it was at the start. So whether it's a shopping center, whether it's a new train station, whether it's city status, whether it's a new football stadium, whatever it is, those things are all built into developers making their decisions or the banks making their decisions on funding that kind of development. Absolutely. Tristan, types of tenant profiling, what, What's the kind of classic tenant that you would be putting into a two bedroom apartment that I believe we're looking somewhere between 240 up to 300 maybe for the standard two bed? I'm sure there's more above and below, but yeah, that's the typical range. Yeah. So 260 for a two bed, you know, half decent two bed, probably two double bedrooms in Reading. What's the sort of rental on that, Tristan? Uh, they do fluctuate, but typically twelve fifty. Uh, we went out to value one, um, which was in Kennet Island, two bed, one bath, big bathroom, fairly nice inside. Um, the identical one that never come on the market in the end, but identical below, coming up thirteen fifty and let for another agent. Mm. Um, but yeah, they fluctuate anywhere between sort of twelve fifty, thirteen fifty. Can get slightly more um, if obviously it's spectacular. Um, one I went out to recently that was eighteen hundred. So just shows that mm. there is growth on on bigger properties it's a good it's a good part of the world to be getting a we talk about yields but a decent cash flow on because mortgage probably for something like that with a 75 percent loan to value buy to let at the moment six to seven twenty seven thirty something like that 600 700 pounds if you're getting the 1250 after you knock a few bits and bobs off for fees etc you've got a nice cash flow on that at the days of obviously the sub one percent interest rates where you could get 300 quid mortgage on that are gone some have got them which is great but yeah in reality that's that's a decent amount of cash flow and what type of tenant would you expect to put in there uh, i mean with a typical flat you typically find it's a couple working professional maybe work from home so they want the second space as an office to separate obviously their, their home life 
um, from from work, um, or maybe a, a small family that's moved. Deal with a lot of international people that move working in IT, so there be a couple and a young child potentially, um, and they'll be there for the the period of the contract of of their work. It could be six months, it could be three years. It fluctuates from person to person. Mm. Um, but at the moment, thankfully, with the market we've been in, landlords have had so much choice to choose from. It's not one demographic of person, whereas previously you could have pinpointed that it's a total massive audience of people. You're, you're getting six or seven offers on a property where people can have the choice. And we mentioned um, the university, but also you've got the hospital there as well, which I would imagine a lot of the buyers that you speak to are probably hospital workers that have been there a couple of years, year maybe. Yeah, yeah it's a huge job, Paul. The, yeah, just just uh, my, my first deal, which we'll be going through shortly, is to a, a rule box um, employee. And it's, yeah, rent, both rental and purchases in that location. And there's some safety in letting to NHS, you know, with, with how job security and things like that is. Yeah. So, and it feels good, I think, at the same time, which is which is also interesting. So geographically, Mike, you started to mention, um, yep, not seaside, but we've mentioned hospital, we've mentioned uni, you touched on airports and commuter junctions. Again, if you were to build a business plan for an investor and you were to draw up a, an ideal town for someone to go and invest in with the flexibility of, standard buy to let high yield, family home, HMO, student let, it draws out nicely geographically, I think, Reading, outside of London, really. Yeah, which is why so much money has been poured into it in the last 25 years, probably ever since the Oracle was built. The Oracle Shopping Centre was probably the catalyst from Reading being a small, meh town where you know it didn't really have any particular draw apart from the Reading Festival and the university to a big hub. Um, which is which is what's made it so attractive to companies like Microsoft, Oracle, and and others who base them so base their UK operations out of the town. Yeah, mm. and Matt, price wise, let's talk about equity growth because some mm. areas in the last ten years, you know, two hundred percent growth, they've gone crazy. You know, we touched on Bracknell. Bracknell's yeah. gone crazy in the last two years, and if yeah. you actually look at the pricing over ten years, you know, we're comfortably talking two hundred percent growth. Is Reading, has the ship sailed in Reading or is there an opportunity there? What sort of price growth are, are we looking over the last decade? Well, I, I'd like to build a case for Reading right now as a great place to invest in. Because if you if you zoom out and you look at a 10-year view from 2012, you see really sharp growth from 2012 to 2016. Um, and that hasn't that didn't continue from 2016 onwards to 2020. All of the reasons people were investing in Reading in 2016, much to do with Crossrail, which we can talk about in a minute. I think all of those things are, are still as relevant now as they were in 2016, mm. but Reading hasn't had the consistent increases like Bracknell or other areas have. So all of the reasons to invest in Reading in 2016 are still there today. You just haven't seen the prices creep up and up and up the same way they have in other towns. So. For my money, it makes Reading an even more attractive place to invest in because you're not paying an increased capital value and you've still got great rental yields with rental prices which have gone up significantly in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because if we're looking at spending 400 grand in Bracknell, we're looking at a three-bedroom, maybe an end terrace, something like that. We're looking at probably a rental, what, 15, 1,600, as much as 1,600 moment, or more, yeah. 15? I don't 15. Know. Yeah, and then if we look at Reading for same sort of 1500 for a three bedroom end of terrace in Reading, 
probably the rent is very similar if we're getting 1250 on a two bed flat what's a classic three bed end three bed mid going to get in reading in in rents no in, in sales in price. sales yeah i mean um yeah it's, it, it's somewhere around 400k i mean central reading is primarily terrace houses and flats so you don't have the kind of semi-detached houses in volume yeah they're in so, the outer pockets of reading yeah so that that puts the semi-detached that puts them up in price there's just not that many of them um so free beds terrace central reading what, what's the expectations there? mid I mean, freeze yeah probably free 350 mid freeze so, so yield stronger than Bracknell. if i'm mr investor and i'm thinking where to put cash it, it doesn't mean it's the smart investment long term because we don't know what the future holds. But sure. if you wanted to look at a freehold that cash flows with a really nice yield, then there's probably not many better places outside of Reading in in this kind of A329M five mile hub out of that. that well, I, th I think the capital appreciation talk about Reading is a fascinating one. I've bought and sold a number of properties in Reading um in the last 15 years and to give working examples i just sat, sat there while, while matt was talking prices and in my head i figured out i bought one apartment and made 65 percent capital appreciation in four years i bought another and made 40 percent in 12 years now one was obviously a much better buy than the other clearly mm. i did much better at the time i thought it was the other way around I genuinely thought I was doing better on, on, on another property, but it just shows Reading goes through these cycles of ultra fast growth and then periods of relative calm. And I feel that's because the buy to let holding is much higher in Reading than it is in other towns. So it's much more price sensitive because if you're in Wokingham or Caversham or, or some of the more sort of established residential areas, people are going to stay and live in their own homes. Whereas a buy to let, if the number's right, the number's right, you're going to buy or sell. So there's a lot, there's a lot less emotional connectivity with the town. And that means quite often I judge Reading as a, as a 6% town, a 6% yield. If the yield drops below 6%, the heat comes out of the market. If the yield hits 6% or more, the investors just pile in. And when the investors pile in, prices go up and then the heat comes out again. Mm. So if you get your timing right, where everything drops off because it's been too quiet for too long and people start reducing, you can suddenly make money. Mm. If you get your timing wrong and buy over the top of the market because, because and then all the investors just walk away for two years, then it's not the end of the world. You just won't see your property appreciate in value, but you will see great cash flow from from your rental guaranteed tenants, like we say. So it's a fascinating market. It's nothing like the towns around it because yeah. the buy to let holding is so high. And the people who hold those properties, as we said, tend not to be from Reading. So they're not holding them for any particular reason other than it's a buy to let investment in my portfolio. Uh, Tristan, talk to me about the um, build to rents. Because build to rent seemed to be very popular over the last couple of years with developers. And I do drive into Reading sometimes and often see sites popping up for build to rents. So do you think even with the demand at the moment, could Reading be saturated with tenants or will it just always have phenomenal amounts of tenants for all of the reasons we've just spoke about? So Reading's always been that town that's had 
such increased demand and a high volume of properties. So prior to COVID, you're looking sort of 1800 properties available in Reading at one time. Um, since COVID, that's pretty much 50%. It's just dropped substantially. But that's not because there's just not as many properties coming on. There's so much demand that people are taking them. So personally, I don't think it will have any impact. They're investing there to build more because of the demand. They can't keep up with it. Uh, and there's so much going on and there's so many advantages of living in Reading to why they're doing it. So in my opinion, I don't think that's going to have any impact. I think if anything, it's just going to be more choice for people to choose from when it does eventually catch up. Mm -hmm. But for now, there's a massive shortage and I see it going up still. So I guess in summary, if you are the type of property investor that is looking for a good cash flow, safe bet, buy to let, that's always going to have a tenant in reality, as long as it's priced correctly, um, that's always going to have that pull. Potentially, it's got a little bubble to come around when the city status eventually must get granted, then Reading would be for you. But as you two have both mentioned, if you're looking for something that has got a strong guaranteed equity growth in the next five years, it's kind of on the wheel and we don't quite know where we are on the wheel. You could look at some of the statistics that you spoke about and say, maybe we just peaked after the pandemic and maybe the beer lull for a little bit, or maybe it will just keep firing up. We don't know. But if you're looking for equity growth, then maybe some of the residential areas outside of Reading um, for long-term family tenants might be a slightly better option. So it really depends what people are looking for. We spoke to a, uh, an investor recently that was looking to buy free flats, cash flow very high. Reading seems like a bit of a no-brainer because the yield is going to be stronger than most areas. So that's quite interesting. We haven't spoke about train lines on Reading. You touched on Crossrail, but let's, yeah, let's let's go to Crossrail. Yeah, talk to me about it. So it's finally open. I haven't been on the Elizabeth Line, as it's now called. It's beautifully air conditioned, by it the looks, way. It looks very. I'll sell you on the air conditioning. Has yeah. it got Wi-Fi? By a standard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hard seats. So when That's it's... my report. That's everything I've got. <laughs> if it's hot, go and work on the train. Hundred <laughs> percent. The feedback I got from someone is said it's nice when you go on the London Underground and it's cozy, and when you've had a few beers, it said it's not the same on the Crossrail line, which is clinical and feels like a hospital. That's not a sales pitch for Crossrail. I appreciate, but then, like I said, I haven't been on it, so I don't know. Well, these days people want clean hospital type feel don't they yeah you know if you're driving in if you're getting the train to work and things like that you want to feel safe secure and um, i've never and wanted to feel cozy on the underground i've <laughs> got to be honest <laughs> different sort of trip that um, <laughs> but i i um i want to raise the point about um obviously this podcast is about in investing and landlords and just highlight the contrast between speculating and investing and I think with what happened when Crossrail was announced, there was an awful lot of speculation about what that might mean for Reading, which is why we saw the prices increase so rapidly. Um, and my opinion is a lot of that speculation was just that, and that hasn't materialized. Um, whereas, of course, when you're investing, you want to know that you're getting a return. So I'd, I'd be curious to know what your guys' kind of takes are on Crossrail. And obviously, you you were working in Reading uh yeah and you know, when it was announced so i think you're absolutely right the bubble came in prices before the train line came and it's been the same in other towns the the, the price rise seems to come bef when stuff is happening rather than when it's actually there so we saw we saw the benefits in prices of crossrail 
way back 2014, 2015, 2016 rises. And that was obviously coupled with the end of the, uh, well, the start of the second home stamp duty. So a bit of a double yeah. whammy, which got Reading into a massive bubble. And then we saw things lull off. Um, my opinion on Crossrail is all it does is add another anchor into Reading from London. So there's 30 odd percent more train seats into London now um, when they finally link up Paddington Station, because at the moment you go into Paddington and then have to change onto a different crossrail train to go through London. Uh, when they finally link that up, it will mean you can get direct from Reading into the real city of London, not just one of the main transport hubs. And you will feel and you'll be able to tra- get from Reading into Bank and the city faster than you will from other parts of London. So the knock-on effect of that is it's much cheaper to live in Reading, get your company to pay for your travel card, as we know a lot of central London companies do, and commute for 40 minutes on an air-conditioned, clinical, clean tube rather than live in North London or south of, south of the river on one of the Victorian tube lines that's red-hot, bustling, busy, and and dirty basically as as, as they all are yeah and you, you can get across you can get across faster and we rent. know we know average rents in london about 2200 pounds a month yeah i think the stat was last yeah, month high. so reading is probably 1200 london's about 22 on average so you're about 40 percent less 30, off the top of my head 22 minutes away from saving yourself a grand a month yeah that's a strap line for Reading somewhere in there. You can have that one. Yeah, I'll use that. <laughs> TM <Yeah>. market. <laughs> it's interesting chat. And if if you were to kind of, we won't hold you to this, but we will. If 100%. you were to, if you were to <laughs> forecast Reading for the next, let's say eight years, so we get to twenty thirty. Jesus, that's scary. Um, what do you anticipate Reading looking like then, with train links, uh, city status, general pricing? And as a culture, as an area, what are you expecting? Because I would imagine, sorry, I'm asking a lot of questions here. I'd imagine Brexit had a bit of an impact on Reading in terms of volume of people because we saw a lot of Europeans go back to Europe off the back yep. of Brexit. So all of that in one quick answer. No, it can be as long as you need. <laughs> uh, so where will Reading be 2030? I would based upon everything we've discussed, you would like to think that the capital appreciation of Reading would outstrip other surrounding areas just because of all the fundamentals that we've spoken about today make Reading really strong from an investment perspective. I wonder if the only thing Reading's missing is a Premier League football team. And maybe that's... Will that happen in eight years? Still won't be there. That'll happen in eight years. You're confident? (laughs) I said, will that happen? It's it's certainly not going to happen in the next two. I think... (laughs) I think eight years' time, city status, Premier League football team, that's what Reading needs to um, yeah, solidify its place on the map as a place to be. Tristan, tenant-wise, what are you expecting? What type of profile of tenant? Same as now, high demand or any changes? Yeah, I think the I think demand will still be there. You've got so much on the doorstep of, of Reading and you don't really need to leave it. And if you want to, you can go into London in, in no time, like Mike said. So... Personally, I think it's just going to be increased demand um, and I think prices will continue to rise. And Mike, for yourself, if you were sitting down with an investor that's looking for a certain type of property, we haven't spoke about HMOs or student lets, but 
any reasons you would advise against investing in Reading? I think you, you and Matt summed it up perfectly, is if you're looking for guarantees on capital appreciation, you're not going to get that anywhere. And you are going to see more fluctuation in Reading than you would in a in a smaller residential market town nearby. But you will see increases in bubbles and you will undoubtedly see continu- continuated tenancies, if continuated is even a word. Um, you will see you you will see just long term tenancies. You will see if your tenant moves out, you'll see another tenant moving in a week's time. All highly qualified, professional, high earning people who, if the economy crashes again, tend to walk out of one job and straight into another job with absolutely no problems whatsoever. So the case for investing in Reading, as someone who has invested in Reading, I've gone in and out, I've gone in and out, like, you know, the well-known toddler's song. Um, you will struggle to lose. The case The case B, if you, if you do buy high, you just don't sell it when everything goes slow. Just hold on to it and you'll continue to cash flow. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Matt, you've been a great guest. It's been interesting talking. It's great getting these localized experts on the podcast to really talk about what's going on. I think a lot of people can build a little bit of an investing business plan off of this. And there's a lot of people that are first time investors that listen to the podcast. And I think this would be quite helpful for them to do a bit of a recce on the area and get an insight into what's happened, where we are and what comes next as well. So appreciate your time and your expertise. If anyone's listening and they want to check Matt out, um, any social media, but pretty much at the Reading Agent is the kind of standard go-to URL. Yeah, at the Reading Agent, you can find me on all the social media platforms. Thanks for being our guest. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Good to come and chat uh, from an investment perspective as well. So appreciate it. So, gents, the Reading Agent at the Reading Agent. Check him out on social. He's on everything: TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You might be on Snapchat. I'm not on that. I don't know. I don't even know if Snapchat's a thing anymore. But I love the conversation. He's definitely going to be on Apple, Spotify, and other uh, podcast locations because that's where we are. So in that convo, I think we give a really good overview of Reading as an investable town or not, depending on what people's goals are. What did you take away from it, Tristan? For me, it was the, the in the last six years, prices, especially on apartments, haven't really gone up. Or he hasn't seen a spike like we've seen in other other towns, um, but the rentals have certainly increased substantially, making it a good cash flow opportunity for investors. So it's interesting to see that that's what he's seeing statistic wise and what he projects sort of over the next eight years. Yeah, because there's a theme at the moment, isn't there, of investors that are really keen to sit on interest only mortgages, just paying the interest and making a good lump sum of money monthly. And Reading seems like that might be one of the good locations to do something like that, by the sounds of it. It seems that way. Um, I mean, from my opinion, the demand's there, as we speak about within the podcast, and um, the investment's been there. So and you've got everything on the doorstep, so it makes sense to, to look at that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And as someone that's invested in Reading yourself, Matt knows his stuff, which is clear, because it's, it's a really interesting conversation to have about... He almost felt a bit put out by the city status. He felt a bit personally (laughs) challenged by the fact that that wasn't there, which I love because it just shows how much he's connected to the area. But for you, conversation, you know, you've got a good insight into there. What's your overall thoughts? What were your takeaways? So from speaking to Matt, what I'm interested in is him saying openly, house prices in Reading haven't shot up like they have in the suburbs around it. However, 
from Tristan saying rents have gone up in Reading. So if rents are on their way up, but house prices are stable, we know it's an investor's town. There will be a point where rents get so attractive, investors will pour in and house prices will shoot. So are we now on that turn of the cycle to say you will make money in Reading? in the next two, three, four years, and you'll make it very, very fast. Only time will tell, but there are signals there. And that's why we did this episode, because I think we've seen, like you say, other areas grow in their equity much quicker. And as we know, at the moment, landlords seem to be selling at about two to one ratio, two landlords selling for every one purchasing. And one of the statistics that blew my mind that Matt showed me before the podcast is 53%, sorry, 43% of all people that live in Reading are renting, 41% um, were mortgage owners and the rest are council. So in terms of the amount of tenants demand, you said it's high as it's ever been, it will continue to be that. Clearly there's a lot of people that want to rent. So if the landlords are selling, we've not seen a massive spike recently, there is an opportunity for people to come in and potentially get in at the bottom of that curve that may climb. And that's the holy grail golden ticket for an investor, I believe. So great episode, loved it. If people have got questions about Reading, want to get in contact with Matt, obviously talk to us, then please, please message us, contact us, and we'll be happy to take your questions. And what I'm also going to plug is in the next week or two, we've got um, a guest coming on that's an expert in investing in Reading, touch a little bit probably around HMOs as well. So watch out for that one because it's a returning guest that's going to give us a good insight into Reading and general investing as well. So I'm looking forward to that episode. So watch out, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for listening. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital gains tax, and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.